Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It's a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of a triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to the praise of his holy name. Consistory has the following announcements. Brother Caleb Poppy has requested an attestation to his sister church in Smithers, BC, Canada. We wish him the Lord's blessing in the new congregation. Brothers Amen will lead the worship service this afternoon. And before we commence the worship service, let us sing together from Psalm from Hymn 39, verse 1, 2, and 5. Please rise to receive the greeting of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In response to God's greeting, let us sing Psalm 145, the verses 1 and 5. Let us then remain standing and together make confession of our Catholic undoubted Christian faith with the singing of hymn one.
Let us now pray to God and ask him for his blessing over this hour of worship. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we praise you for you are the Lord of our lives. You know all things. You see all things. You are all-powerful and eternal and your majesty and glory are beyond our comprehension. We thank you, Father, that you are a God of relationship, a God who desires to draw near to his people through the enabling power of your spirit. You also draw us to you. And we thank you, Lord, that we can call you Father and that you are a good and perfect Father. We give you thanks and praise, dear Lord, for the covenant relationship we can have with you. We thank and praise you that in this relationship you desire us to have communion with you. And we give you thanks, Lord, for the incredible gift that you offer to us. What a great gift it is that at any time we can talk to you. We can open our hearts. We can share our thoughts. We can praise and glorify you. And we can thank you for what you've done for us. And we can ask you for what we need. We pray, Father, that through your spirit you would help us to grow in relationship with you. We ask that you would place the desire in our hearts to pray to you as we consider together this afternoon the gift you have given us in prayer and the richness that we have that we can draw near to you. We ask for your blessing over us in this hour of worship. That the gospel message may also be a blessing and that we can have a deeper appreciation of how rich we are and that we would be encouraged to better pursue a life of fellowship together with you. Father, please forgive us for our many sins and shortcomings, and we ask that you would keep sin and distraction from us this afternoon. Please bless us in this worship that we offer you, and please grant that we would do so with sincerity, and that our hearts would be filled with genuine love for you. And please help us to give expression to that love through all the elements of our worship this afternoon. The songs that we sing, the gifts we give, and the prayers that we offer. Please do all this for Jesus' sake, and it is in his name that we pray. Amen. This afternoon's sermon was prepared by Reverend Reuben Bradenhoff, formerly Minister of our Sister Church of Mount Missouri, and now Professor of Ministry and Mission at the Canadian Reformed Theological Seminary. And the sermon focuses on Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism which is the first Lord's Day dealing with prayer. Let us first read two passages from our Bibles. Our first reading we'll find in Matthew chapter 6 and we'll start reading at verse 1. You can find this reading on page 964 of your guest Bible. Matthew chapter 6 starting at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, 
you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. For our second reading, let's turn a little bit further in the Gospels to the Gospel of Luke where we'll read from chapter 11 and we'll read the verses 1 through 13. And this reading starts on page 1033 of your guest Bible. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him? And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So far our scripture reading. Let us now turn in our books of praise to Psalm 86 
a psalm in which we see the prayer of a man who is well grounded in his relationship with God. Let's sing the verses 1, 2, 3 and 4.
This afternoon's sermon has as its theme prayer and more specifically the right and the wrong spirit of praying. Lord's Day 45 of the Heidelberg Catechism is the first Lord's Day of a new section under the heading prayer. Let us turn together in our book of praise for our confessional reading this afternoon, Lord's Day 45, which we find on page 559 of our books of praise. Question 116. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. Question 117. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must, from the heart, call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery, so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that, although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. Question 118. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. And then question 119 follows the Lord's Prayer, which we read together from Matthew 6. After this reading of the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 63 and we'll sing the verses 1, 2 and 8. Brothers and sisters, when we do this last section on prayer in the catechism classes, we always start with the basics. We have a discussion of what prayer is. It's communicating with God, the students say. It's talking to the Lord. You can bring your everyday requests and praise to God. Simple, right? So we can all know how to do it. Because prayer is communicating with God, we can compare it to how we communicate with each other. Our friends, people at church, people in our workplace, in our day-to-day life. Probably no one had to teach you how to talk to someone else. You just did it. It's that simple. Opening your mouth, sharing your thoughts, you listen and respond. Yet, isn't it true that sometimes our communication skills need an adjustment? We talk too much. We don't really listen to other people. We tend to make each and every conversation about us. And what should be a simple activity gets very complicated by our selfishness or our lack of awareness. So someone has to tap us on the shoulder and correct us. And it's the same with prayer. It's a beautifully simple thing. It's an amazing privilege to talk with the Lord. But sometimes we need to adjust what we're doing. Maybe we're always making it about us 
and our needs. We're not listening to God. Our prayers lack sincerity. In short, we sometimes get it wrong. And in Romans 8, Paul the Apostle says this. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, in verse 26. We're always in need of instruction. Which means we have to go back to passages like Luke 11. The Lord Jesus was praying and the disciples were struck by something in his manner of prayer. For when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In verse 1, show us how it's done. It makes me wonder what stood out when they listened to Jesus pray. What were they hearing? It must have been things like his openness and honesty with the Father. His intensity, maybe, or his love for God. His love for other people. There was something in Jesus' prayers that the disciples wanted for themselves. Because they realised how their own prayers were lacking. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's our request too. And Christ gives lots of direction. We learn, again, that prayer isn't meant to be hard or complicated. Any child of God can pray. And we must pray. For it's our lifeline to God, our Father. And this is what we see in Lord's Day 45. Lord, teach us how to pray. We'll see, firstly, the wrong spirit for prayer and its result. And secondly, the right spirit for prayer and its result. Firstly then, the wrong spirit for prayer and its result. When Jesus teaches about prayer in Matthew 6, he shares the powerful words of the Lord's Prayer. It's not an elaborate prayer. It's just six basic petitions. It's not more than 70 words in most English translations. And it takes less than a minute to say. And yet somehow it is complete and powerful. But notice how before Jesus teaches his prayer, he does a bit of troubleshooting. He offers some correction on our prayer life. And that's useful, we say, because otherwise we will miss out on ways that our communication with God could be improved. And the warning at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6 sets the tone. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. In verse 1. Our religious habits and customs should never be about our own praise and reputation. Whether it's giving generous amounts of money or fasting for a day, Jesus knows we can slip into making an empty show of things. We could attend worship every Sunday, not because God is our highest joy, but because otherwise we'll get family pressure or elder pressure. We could open our Bibles at the end of dinner time because that's just what we do. Have we thought about why we're doing it? And the same thing can happen to our prayers. Jesus warns in chapter, in chapter 6 verse 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. In the time of Christ, some people were praying to be recognised. 
and I'd love the opportunity to stand in a synagogue and offer a prayer. Everyone in the congregation who listened would surely be impressed by their piety and their eloquence. But such praying is a charade. It's empty. Such praying seeks personal glory, not glory for God. Jesus also condemns those who'd stopped to pray on a street corner. For as people went about their day, the time came for one of the regular prayers, morning and evening. They could find a quiet spot somewhere, but instead they made sure that everyone knew that they were honouring the tradition of prayer, even if it meant they had to stop on a busy sidewalk or in the middle of the marketplace that offer their prayer to be seen by men. We probably can't relate to that desire for other people to hear or to see our prayers. A good many of us prefer not to pray in public. We get all shaky about it and our words get tied up in knots. So maybe Jesus' warning doesn't apply. But it's still very possible to let prayer become something that is empty. Just in a different way than the Jews in Jesus' day did. Even in the comfort of our dining room after dinner or in the privacy of our bedroom at 11 o'clock at night, the same danger is present that we're praying in the wrong spirit. Maybe we're doing it out of force of habit, or maybe we're doing it because others expect us to pray. And then there's the reality of our prayers to God sounding the same from day to day, year after year. All of us, I'm quite sure, fall into the same old phrases. It's easier because these words just roll off the tongue. Or when we're praying silently, our mind slips into the familiar grooves of a prayer that we've offered many, many times before. And it's hard to get out of that. Now, it doesn't mean that these prayers of ours are necessarily wrong. It doesn't mean that God isn't pleased with our prayer today. If it's roughly the same as we prayed yesterday, for just think of the Lord's Prayer. It's the same every time we pray it, just how Jesus taught us. Prayed from the heart, these repeated and familiar words do please God. But we should always be ready to ask ourselves a hard question. Why are we praying? Are we doing it because of a genuine desire to commune with our God? I pray over my bowl of cereal because I want to thank the Lord for his gift of food. I pray in the evening because I see the many ways that I have sinned again and I want to ask God for his forgiveness. But then again, I know that sometimes these prayers are empty thank yous and empty forgive me's. I'm afraid that there are other negative things that we could say about our praying, more faults we could find. Just consider how we might neglect prayer outside of the regular times we're used to. It is good to pray at those expected moments. But where's the rest of our communion with God? When do we come before him? How often should we? Consider how many of us make it a priority to stay in close contact with our friends from morning till evening. We've got to make sure that we're always connected, sending instant messages, posting updates, checking out what people have written to us or about us. It's 
probably the first thing that many of us do when we wake up in the morning. We check our messages. We see who's been in touch. We see what we've missed. But what about our connection to God? Have we kept up with communication with him throughout the day? Have we maintained our dialogue with him with the same diligence or even enthusiasm? Or has it faded into silence? Sometimes it's as if we put God on hold until we have a moment, just before we fall asleep, when really he should be the first one we want to get in touch with when we wake up in the morning. And in his sermon, Jesus offers a second warning. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. And we read that in Matthew 6 verse 7. Those listening to Jesus were probably quite insulted by these words, for he dares to compare the prayers of God's people to the prayers of pagans. And that's because whenever they started a prayer, the heathens would recite long lists of gods. It's something like sending an email to everyone in your contacts. If you called on enough gods, maybe one of them would hear. Maybe one of them would answer. And so pagans would go on and on, babbling to whomever would listen, hoping one of the arrows would land on target. And instead of using many words, like Jesus says, some of our prayers are very short. And that can be a good thing. We pray just a few words for his guidance in those moments before a difficult meeting. We ask for God's help in a few seconds of panic. And we make a brief offering of praise when we stand amazed by God's glory. And Jesus isn't saying either that it's wrong to have long prayers. I'm sure you've found that sometimes there are just so many things to pray about. You want to pray for loved ones, for fellow church members, your friends, the leaders of our country, our missionaries, the poor, the suffering. And it's good to have eyes open for many needs and blessings. And it's good that we want to bring them all before God. Yet our prayers might be long and wrong. Jesus calls it vain repetitions. For we go on and on because we're praying about so many of our worries and requests. And again, it's true that we're allowed to bring these things before the Lord. Even our little worries the things that we're embarrassed about, the things everyone else would think are silly, even these we can present to God, all things we need for body and soul. Question and answer 118. And we can pray for whatever God has promised in his word, and we should feel free to present them to him, for we know that we have a loving Father who listens and who cares. But when we pray, remember that our Father listens to a child who is humble in her requests, not one who heaps up repetitions. He loves a believer who remembers to be thankful for all the things already received. The Father listens to the child who is, who is confident in his gracious answer. The Catechism says, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who pray constantly and with heartfelt longing question answer 116. You can pray for a short moment or you can pray for a long time but you do need to pray in faith 
and humility. I know that sometimes we think there is no such thing as a poor prayer. We think God's just happy to hear from us. He's not going to turn us away. And it's true. Our God is merciful and patient. He's an understanding and compassionate Father. But we really can't expect God to hear our prayers if they are half-hearted or offered merely out of a sense of obligation. Remember what the Catechism teaches us about what belongs to a prayer which pleases God. The first thing it says is that we must, from the heart, call upon the one true God. Question answer 117. Cast your mind back to the last time you had a conversation with someone who wasn't really paying attention. The person was either interrupting you, looking over your shoulder at someone else, or they were going on about themselves the whole time until they just walked away without so much as a word of parting. What a nice conversation. Can we expect our God to accept us if we essentially do the same thing in our prayers? If we pray in a distracted spirit or if we pray only to get what we want? No, that is not true communion with God. There's a better way. And so for our prayers, he's given us a pattern. And that brings us to our second point, the right spirit for prayer and its result. By now it's clear that there's a wrong spirit to pray and a right spirit. And Jesus gives us a clear example of what is right. He does that in the Lord's Prayer. It's a model of simplicity, of God-centered praise, of humbleness and completeness. Speaking of the Lord's Prayer, some people have wondered about these two passages we read. The one prayer is found in the Sermon on the Mount. But notice that the other version, the one from Luke 11, comes up in an entirely different setting. It's not part of a public sermon, but when the disciples ask Jesus privately for a lesson on prayer. Is there a contradiction? When was the Lord's Prayer really taught? I think there's a simple answer. Jesus taught his prayer more than once, and probably even more than twice, for this was the perfect pattern. Instead of entering prayer in a thoughtless or even distracted way, Jesus teaches us to come before God in humility and awe. We pray, our Father who is in heaven, like the Catechism says, we begin with childlike reverence and trust, question answer 120. Try to begin your prayers by first recognising and revering the Almighty God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, calling on him who has become our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then, right away, we make that petition for God's glory to be revealed and promoted in all the earth. Hallowed be your name. We should pray every day that we experience his glory and have a living sense of his holiness and his majesty. And pray that you might bring honour to this great God in all you do. And the next petition follows closely. Your kingdom come. We should pray with the awareness that this life is not just about us and about our concerns. It's actually much bigger 
For God is leading his kingdom in daily war against the kingdom of darkness. Pray every day then that God would destroy Satan's works in this world. Your kingdom come. Jesus also teaches us to pray that God's will be done. And if we're honest about that petition, it's nothing less than a prayer that our hearts would reverse direction and alter their ambitions. For naturally, we said, we put ourselves and our own will, our own interests, first. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to worship the true God. And that's why Jesus warns us, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7 verse 21. We need to make this our daily prayer. Father, may your will be done. Help me to deny myself and deny the sinful desires always moving within me. Help me to accept your claim on my life. Teach me your will and help me to do it. And give us today our daily bread. Don't forget to pray for your physical needs. Even if you assume you'll have these gifts tomorrow, pray for food in the pantry and the clothing in the closet and fuel for your car. For what we earn and possess and consume are all things given by God. As you pray, trust that God will provide. For the Father is rich and he delights to give gifts. Our Father will even cleanse us from sin when we ask. Our Lord taught us to pray, forgive us our debts. And this is another petition that is hard to pray sincerely. For if I don't recognise my daily sins, my character weaknesses, my besetting temptations, my acts of rebellion, I'll have nothing to confess to God but vague generalities. But if I sense a bit of my sinfulness, I'll know that I need to seek God's mercy. Look within, then look to Christ. And in the same breath, Jesus teaches us to ask for spiritual strength. Lead us not into temptation. And how badly we need God's help in this. Satan is an experienced predator and he has many allies. We are confronted every day with Satan's power. But God is stronger. And that's why Jesus teaches us to end our prayers with praise. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There's no need for any doubt about the God to whom we've spoken. We're at the right address with our prayers, for he is able. Right after teaching the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11, Jesus illustrates God's willingness to answer it. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? We read that in verses 11 and 12. Of course not. Parents are deeply committed to their children. They'd do pretty well anything for their well-being. They will try to give what is needful. And so it is for God our Father. As Jesus says, If you then, being evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to ask to those who ask him? In verse 13. And when we pray in faith, the Father will answer, for he's faithful, gracious, and abounding in love. He'll surely give what is good, and he will give what is right. All this makes the true prayer one filled with thanksgiving. God knows there's nothing we can ever give to him in return. So he commands us to be thankful. It's his will that gratitude becomes the hallmark of every Christian. The Catechism says God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for these gifts and who thank him for them. Question answer 116. So every new day we have an opportunity to say to God how much we appreciate all that he's given. It's a spirit of thankfulness that can be constant. Father, thank you for everything. So before rushing into your prayer after breakfast, or instead of melting into prayer at the same time as you melt into sleep at night, find a way to slow it down. Do your utmost to remember what you're doing as you speak with God and come into his presence. Begin with humility and praise and thanksgiving. Make your prayers a time to lean even harder on the Lord for everything you need, for grace and mercy, health and strength, for wisdom and holiness. And as you pray, remember, it's not lengthiness that God is seeking. It's not eloquence in every word and phrase. It's not completeness each and every time. When you pray, don't make it harder or more complicated than it is such that you never get around to doing it, or you don't even dare to begin. For prayer is you committing all good things to your Father, and doing so because you know that he is God, and because you want to honour him above all. What's the result of such kinds of prayer? That may be the wrong question. I use the word results in my theme and points, but let's not misunderstand that. Prayer to God is not about results as such. It's not about getting the thing that you were hoping for, finding the right answer to your question. Of course, we love it when our prayers seem to have that effect, when we get the exam mark that we were praying for, when the doctor comes back with a good report on our health, or when we get promoted just as we prayed. We like those results. But our prayers should have a different focus, A more personal touch. It's not about results, but it's about relationship. The heart of prayer isn't about what we get. It's about who we get. The heart of prayer isn't about what we get. It's about who we get. We get God, the warmth of his love and his fellowship and his grace. Prayer is about enjoying communion with God. When we pray to him in the morning, we are glad to draw near to the Lord once again. And when we pray in the evening, we are glad to have been able to commit our lives to his care. Such prayers will be pleasing to God, and they will be heard by God. This is because our loving Father knows us deeply, far better than we know ourselves. He knows the things we need 
and yet God wants us to ask. And a heartfelt prayer he will not ignore. The prayer of faith will never go unanswered. But God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord. Question answer 117. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. So let's be people who not only know prayer, but let's be people who do prayer. May our first reaction, our reflex, our constant inclination to be, call, to be, be to call on the name of God, be busy every day, asking, seeking, knocking, praying to your Heavenly Father and expecting good things from Him for Jesus' sake. Amen. prayer this afternoon. We'll remember our brother Hilko Siggers who is uh, scheduled to go into hospital on Friday for a, a surgery 
So we'll pray for safekeeping for our brother and a uh, rapid time of healing. Let us now call upon God with thankfulness and prayer. Our gracious God and merciful Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer and the confidence that we can have that you will hear us for Jesus' sake and that you will not turn us away. It is our prayer, Lord, that you will use this sermon and the upcoming sermons on the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray through the enabling power of your Spirit so that we may grow in this aspect of our Christian lives. We ask, Lord, that you would equip our hearts and minds to pray to you in the right way. Lord, we pray that we would be diligent in our prayer life. We confess, Lord, that we do not pray as we ought and that we often try to do things in our own strength. And we know that this is not how we ought to live and we ask for your forgiveness for this. Help us to better learn to trust you and your power. We know, Lord, that you are in control of all aspects of our lives, that you order all things and that you have power and dominion over all things and that you call us to humble ourselves before you and to depend on you in prayer. Dear Father, we ask that you would indeed forgive us for the many sins that we commit each day again. We confess that we are sinners and we are in need of your grace daily. If left to our own devices, we find new and creative ways to keep sinning. And we ask, therefore, that you would fill our hearts and lives with your spirit so that we would walk more closely with you and that we would seek to do what is right and overcome the influence of sin in our lives. We ask, Lord, that we would use our prayers to you as an important part of walking closer with you and having you lead us in our lives. Father, we ask also that you would bless the gospel message as it is proclaimed each week, so that we may be renewed and strengthened in our faith. But more than that, Father, that others would also be drawn to you and to a saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that the gospel message of salvation would continue to go out in our community around us, and that all your people would be gathered in, that you would bring them into your kingdom. And we pray that the efforts of Satan would be curtailed in the world around us. And we pray that we would be protected from his attacks in our homes, in our workplaces, in our places of study, and in our church. Lord, we ask that we continue building good relationships in our families. Help us to continue to get to know you better. Be with fathers and mothers as they raise their children in the fear of you and in walking closely with you. And we pray that our church community may also be blessed by you. Help us to grow in faith and love for you and love for one another. Please also grant us unity as brothers and sisters in Christ and help us to build each other up as we serve you together. Lord, we thank you for the efforts of so many in our church to ensure things happen smoothly and go well for us. We are at the start of a new year and soon all the committees and the Bible study groups will start their work up again for the year. And we pray that you would be with all those involved in different ways and that through their service they would be blessed and also be a blessing for others. Father, we ask that you would bless the collection we take this afternoon, the collection for the mission work in Papua New Guinea. Bless the money that is given and Lord, we thank you that we can support this work as a church. Thank you that we can be actively involved in it. And we ask, Lord that the work that happens on the mission field would yield a bountiful harvest for you, that through the efforts of your servants, many would come to a saving faith in you, our Lord. And be with those who work on the field, 
either as missionaries or support workers, and equip them with every good thing to be able to carry out the tasks you have called them to do. Please allow that they would be blessed in doing this work also. And please also be with the mission board and please equip and strengthen them in the decisions that they need to take as well. Please be with us in this coming week in all of our different circumstances. And in this regard, we pray especially for our brother Hilko, who has to go into hospital this coming Friday for surgery. And we ask that you would be with our brother and give him peace. Please also be with those charged with his care while he is in hospital. And we pray, Father, that you would grant complete healing in due course and that he may take up his tasks once again. Father, we pray that you would be with us as we commence another week. And we ask that the efforts of our hands would be blessed by you. Help us to serve you with the right attitude and that we would be grateful for all that you have given us. Please hear us and accept this prayer for the sake of our risen Lord and Saviour, in whose name we pray, Jesus Christ. Amen. After the taking of the collection this afternoon, which is for the mission work in Papua New Guinea, we will close with the singing of Psalm 43 and we'll sing the verses 3 and 4.
Lift up your hearts unto God, receive the blessing of the Lord, and go in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.